Hey, 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 and welcome to another episode of Young Black Equestrians, the podcast. We are super excited about this episode. It is with Brittany Chambers, the founder of CBC Therapeutic Horseback Riding Academy in California. Brittany has over 20 years experience with horses. She has ridden in several different disciplines, English, Western, and dressage, and she has experience in training and overall horse husbandry. She opened CBC Therapeutic Horseback Riding Academy in December of 2015 and currently serves approximately 50 students a week, aging four and up. She provides lessons and horsemanship classes and horse training for horses enrolled in her program. We are so happy to speak with her today. She is a wealth of knowledge and she definitely dropped some gems in this episode. So if you are loving what she's talking about in this episode, feel free to reach out to her on Facebook, share her episode so her Riding Academy can get more exposure. She is a fantastic person and we love talking to her. So I hope you enjoy this episode. You are listening to Young Black Equestrians, the podcast with your hosts, Abriana Johnson and Caitlin Gooch. First, Brittany reached out on Instagram just saying like, that she listened to the podcast and thank you for creating it and stuff like that. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> somebody listens to us. <laughs> oh yeah, of course. But I mean, honestly, like on on the service that we host the podcast on, it'll say like, your audience is 35 people. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> we, but we got 400 followers on Instagram. <laughs> like, right where okay where they at so i never know i never know if it's like accurate or whatever but i do appreciate getting messages and stuff like that so um but then i saw this amazing amazing bio like i responded back to her i was like i'm sorry i don't even know who wrote that but i want somebody (laughs) to you wrote it yeah oh it's amazing like i'm like i don't even like i don't even like talking about myself so I would I don't even know if I would be able to write I mean, I've had to write bios and I, I think they're they're not very good. <laughs> they're it, not like it hers. It took me a while because I'm like, okay, well let me just but I basically was like, let me just put my resume out there. Very true. Maybe I just need to do that because yeah. I was like, Wow. It's a mate like you've done I mean, it was just written very, very well. So I was like, Thank okay, you. so I really just, we just need to talk to her. Like, just, that's, that's just it. So um, a lot of, a lot of the information, um, I guess, that we we're going to talk about today was in the bio, but obviously it's going to be much better because we're talking to you, fa- not, right. not face to face, but <laughs> phone to phone. Phone to phone. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Brittany, you want to just briefly tell us about yourself? Oh, just kidding. I forgot. Rewind. Um, we start off each episode. <laughs> <laughs> now we're starting the podcast. <laughs> now. Now. Okay. Podcast starts now. Uh, we usually start off each episode telling each other what we are thankful for today. So, Brittany, do you want to go first and just share what you are thankful for today? 
Yeah, I think today, I think I'm really just most thankful for, for all of the parents and the horse owners that I have trusting me, either with their kids or, you know, the horses that I train for the owners trusting me with their horses and believing in me that I can make a difference and I can make a change. So I think, like, I'm just really thankful for that, for them trusting and believing me, believing in me. That's that's a very good thing to be thankful for. Yeah. I know that's, I mean, it's a big undertaking and it's a, you have a, a very important job. So, yeah. Um, let's see, what am I thankful for? Today, I am thankful for a job where I can sit at a desk <laughs> at a computer because I know some people hate it, which some I mean it has bad days, but being at a computer I can do stuff that I really want to do. <laughs> I can I can work on stuff that I want to work on. But right. when I'm not at the computer, I'm like running around like a crazy person. So I was thankful for having a slow day and sitting at the computer and working on um young black equestrians things <laughs> and cowgirl Cameron things. So awesome. I'm thankful for that today. What are you thankful for? Um I feel like I'll be running out of stuff by the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> or trying to remember what I say in the last one. Yes. Um, but today I'm thankful for networking. Um we through this podcast have met a lot of people. Um through my dad through my dad I've met a lot of people. Through social media period, I've met a lot of people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and things are coming together. So I'm thankful for networking. That is definitely a good thing to be thankful for. Yes. Um, all right, Brittany. So <laughs> briefly tell us about yourself and kind of where you're located, what your current horse or horses are, and what you do. Okay. Well, I am, well, obviously I'm Brittany. I'm located in Sacramento, California, specifically in the city of Elk Grove, California. Um, I have a horseback riding academy, and I also have a horse training program, so all of my horses are there. I do have two uh, amazing, amazing lesson horses that are, they're just worth their weight in gold. And then um, I have two other horses right now that are in training with me. They, the horses that, again, kind of rotate, and I also kind of partner with my dad. I do partner with my dad. He we do a lot of work with race horses, either current race horses or ex race horses. Um, you know, if they're current, then we rehab them and get them all healthier. They might just be with us for a layup for rest, and then they go back to the track. Or um, we'll get some sent in. Like right now, we have some from the Baysabers Foundation who, or I'm retraining them to be really nice riding horses, and um, so that's part of it. And then the riding academy, I basically just teaching people about horses how to ride the horsemanship aspect of it because you know horses it's way more than just riding mm-hmm. right so you know make sure that they learn how to take care of them um you know i'm starting horsemanship classes next month where we're going to be doing different types of leg wraps tacking groundwork techniques just everything but riding mm-hmm. so you know my goal is to make sure that my riders are very well rounded wherever they go if they decide to try to ride another horse they know exactly what to do um i also work with some that may have some mental health needs or some special needs 
so the academy is a place where you can come and not feel like you have to compete but it's I mean I do have some riders that compete and then I also have people who just simply love horses and that's the environment that I created there is like if you just want to be around horses and learn about them come on out you know without the pressures of competition but if you want to go to a competition okay well then we can do that right that's good they have that option yeah and I think it's the the groundwork, the horsemanship, the everything but riding stuff, I feel like is so important. Um yeah. and and it makes the riding much easier. Like I'll t- if somebody tells me they have an issue on their horse's back, I want to see the relationship with them and their horse on the ground. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Because if that's not if they don't have one or they don't have a good one on the ground, then you don't need to be on them. <laughs> Right. I mean, simple, simple as that. So it's also a little bit safer. I've had several riders come to me from different uh, places Mm -hmm. and they're saying, yeah, you know, we can walk, trot, canter, jump, do all this stuff. And I'm like, but then you can't, you don't know how to put on a saddle or Uh you don't know how to halter the horse. So I'm like, okay, we're going back to the basics and then we're building you up. Yeah. So I think it's important that you know all aspects. Yeah, yeah. And I I hate when people think, like, the basics are so trivial. Like, I I feel like a lot of times parents do that when Mm -hmm. they're like, no, I just want my kid to ride. And it's like, okay, well, I want your kid to have a lasting interest in this. Right. Right. But they're they're not going to get that if they're just, if they ride and... The horse doesn't do what they want, and then they, they're they just going to be like, all right, well, it didn't do what I wanted, so right. I don't want to do this anymore. Yep. Without exactly. actually understanding the relationship that they need to form with the horse. Mm-hmm. So Right, and I don't think people understand also the confidence that you get from doing groundwork and just working around the horse in the stall and just being around them. Mm-hmm. You know, you get that much more confidence when you have that relationship with them on the ground and riding them. Right. Right. They are huge animals. I don't know how anybody would expect you to just take a lesson and only ride. Mm-hmm. You know, like, what if something yeah. happens? You know, what if you decide you want to go somewhere with someone else, not with your instructor, and something happens, and you don't know diddly squat right. <laughs> about <Yeah>. anything mm-hmm. <laughs> that yeah. is not safe? Yeah, and I, I that's, like, kind of what inspired me to keep going like do additional classes not riding just focusing on horsemanship because mm-hmm. you know when people come to me like oh okay well we need to we need to work on on some other stuff let's so sometimes I might have lessons I was like no we're pulling out the lunch line today yeah mm-hmm. and, and that's what we're gonna do mm-hmm. so different things I respect that <laughs> yes a hundred percent girl all righty so how did you get into horses so my, I've actually been with them literally my entire life. My dad has been training horses for like 55 years now. So the barn was like my child care. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'd go out there literally in my car seat. My dad would just have me, you know, right <laughs> outside the horse's stalls working around them. And then when I was old enough, I would always have some little pony to jump on and go ride around. So I've been riding probably since I was four, you know, actually started riding lessons or my dad is my trainer and I've been riding ever since you know I've always had a horse around except for when I went to college I didn't have to take four years off which was really hard but other than that horses is what I grew up around and it's my life that's awesome that's similar background to Caitlin yep 
<laughs> like, it's kind of like crazy you know. similar because <laughs> my dad does the racehorses too. Oh, really? Uh huh. We have that a track so cool. at our farm. What are some of the challenges that you have faced as a minority in the horse industry? Oh boy. Well, I the only people that I saw that looked like myself growing up was my dad. Mm-hmm. So growing up, honestly, I just kind of accepted that. Oh, I'm just the only black girl out here. Mm-hmm. You know, because like my especially you know my location where I'm at, the the facility that I'm at is a huge showgrounds facility, and I can honestly say there's maybe like three or four african-americans that i would see mm-hmm. and they're actually you know they're great writers one does show show jumpers the other one does raining and western pleasure or one does raining one does western pleasure so i guess you could say that's kind of all i knew at the time and you know i was just always told you got to be the best you got to be the best out there so i never really you know my dad was always my idol but then once I saw you guys, I was like, oh, I know it's kind of late. But I'm like, oh, I guess I'm not the only one. I'm not crazy. No. You know? And I've seen a couple articles written on diversity in the horse world. And I'm like, yeah, why don't we see, you know, other people, other races in the Olympics or, you know, mm-hmm. on the big on the big stages because you don't see it often. Nope. Um, so, yeah, I guess I just kind of grew up accepting the fact that, oh, I'm the only black girl out here. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's nobody's fault. It's just the geographical location, mm-hmm. I guess you could say. Right, right. So um, I know that's kind of like growing up and, um, you know, being in a barn. But mm-hmm. when you start entering the space of mental health, like counseling and therapy, and mm-hmm. things like that. Have you had any challenges navigating that space, especially with the integration of horses? I I did um, because I was so young. I got my master's degree at the age of 23. Mm-hmm. So I was sitting at the table with people, you know, twice my age. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, here I am having this degree. And so just trying to get my foot in the door, like right when I graduated college, I was an alcoholic drug counselor mm-hmm. for a rehab program for adults who were alternative sentencing. So it's like, you're either here doing this program or you're in prison. Mm-hmm. So here I am a little 21 year old, you know, trying to counsel adults like forties and fifties with their drug addiction. They're like, you're just a kid. So I did have to learn to gain my respect. I started working with adults and then I moved on to youth and that's where I kind of latched on because I was a lot closer in age. Mm-hmm. So I was working kind of two jobs and then I just took on the youth from there. Um, you know, and I sat on a lot of county boards and a lot of people didn't understand how I was going to integrate mental health and horses because my corporate America professional you know, education is in mental health and administration. But that's when I went on to go get certified with PATH as a therapeutic writing instructor in the equine specialist in mental health and learning. And I just fused it together on my own. Mm-hmm. You know, I just took what my personal experience with horses and my mental health and I said, all right, we're just going to make this work. And the certifications, they helped. But a lot of it for me was kind of trial and error and making my own little spin on it. That's I'm like awesome. I'm interviewing myself because I, I started pursuing my master's in marriage and family therapy, and I was going to go uh-uh. through PATH, 
<laughs> to do equine therapy and merge it with marriage and family therapy. Uh-huh. And that's so funny because, like you said, people are like, well, how are you going to do that? I'm like, well, it's possible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, it's, you know, it's kind of just like you just got to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And after I started, you know, working with, uh, you know, certain needs that were needed mentally, like maybe his focusing was an issue. You know, I, I put him on my mare and was like, oh, you got to stay focused on her because if you stop riding, she's just going to stop walking, you know. So mm -hmm. I start to learn and put personalities of which horse fits with best with whatever rider I have. Mm-hmm. You know, and then the beautiful thing is each horse has their own story. Yeah. You know, and their background. And I found out that when I tell my horses backgrounds or whatever ones in training, that people identify with them more. Yeah, yeah, they can relate based mm -hmm. on their own personal experiences. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. So how well, I mean <laughs> this question is just like Mah. Because, <laughs> I mean, so the question is, how has riding or having horses affected your life? And I feel like, you know, I mean, it is your, it is your life. It is. Yeah. It's integrated in kind of every aspect of your life. So, but do you have any um, kind of response to that? Like, what you might even be doing if you didn't have horses or you didn't continue to pursue it? Because not everybody who's, you know their parents do something, you know, right. kind of follows their footsteps. So what right. what would you, what would you do if you didn't do or weren't involved with horses? Oh my God. I honestly, I, I don't know. I mean, like I'm thankful I went to college, but I've always had the dream literally since I was younger, like I'm going to be a horse trainer. I'm going to be a horse trainer. Mm -hmm. So if I didn't have that and something to always go back to, cause like I ran track in college, I had the option. I was on a full ride scholarship. So I had the option to go, you know, continue on with that athletic career. You know, I got my college degrees, but it always stayed like true to my heart that I want to be a horse trainer. I want to be a horse trainer. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what happened. Um, I, I honestly don't know <laughs> what I would want to, you know, maybe I would have stayed in mental health, you know, cause that was something I did. So I probably would have stayed helping people. Mm -hmm. Um, just in another that's way. probably the best thing I can say is, you know, I've, once you're, once you get born into horses, it just becomes your lifestyle. Yeah. Right. What vision do you have for the future of the Academy? I would love to expand, you know, obviously getting courses and training, but I would like to um, expand it to more where I can do mental health groups and counseling, you know, like, you know, like do the marriage and family counseling. For those, I, I do have a heart for youth in the juvenile system, mm -hmm. you know, because I've seen some that wasn't their fault or they were just put in a bad situation that didn't, they didn't ask for. So I would love to expand to be maybe like a community service but my community service would be like hey let's go brush some horses or mm -hmm. hey go take the horses out to graze you know kind of hey let's clean some them. stalls that's a service yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so i you know i want to just expand it for a place um for the community to be able to come and feel loved and welcome and just not stress about life because not many mm -hmm. people have a place to go to where they can just relax mm -hmm. and not think about anything but the present, you know, practice mindfulness. So 
I want to create that safe space. And even if it's something negative that they're trying to get away from, like, oh, we have to do community service, so we don't have to go back to court or whatever. It's like I want them to want I want them to want to come, mm-hmm. you know. And right. I, I really just want to help people and show that horses can heal everyone. And, you know, it's that they're just great animals and great, great to be around outside, you know, on the property. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, how did you, so let's talk about like the, the creation of the, the Academy. What is the full name of it? CBC Therapeutic Horseback Riding Academy. Okay. What does CBC stand for? Um, it's actually mine and my sister's name. Uh, my name's Brittany. My sister's name is Crystal and our last name is Chambers. So Crystal and Brittany Chambers. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. My, my dad had his racing stable. CBC racing stables. Mm-hmm. Oh, let's keep it in the family. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Is your sister involved in the academy? Uh, no, she was in horses, but she started a family, so she'll, you know, she still knows about horses and everything, and still comes around when right. she has time. Right, right, right. Well, that's cool. That's cool. Then. Yeah. <clears throat> so, what is what did you kind of have to go through? So, I know that you know you already like had the facility for it if i understand that correctly um, uh, yeah it's the i've been at this facility for 23 years or 23 years yeah uh, so I, yeah we grew up i grew up out there yeah so how did you i guess get access to the the kids and how did you kind of form this this program and get the word out there so um, first it was just like, you know, family and friends. I was kind of like, Hey, I'm a certified therapy riding instructor, you know, and to get my, ther- my certification, I had to go work at a, or vol- volunteer, do intern hours at another program. Mm-hmm. So, you know, obviously while I was interning there, I was kind of like, okay, this is how you get stuff. But, um, I'm actually contracted with three schools. Mm-hmm. out here mm-hmm. so um I provide services to the students of those schools and I also have some families you know who are not involved with the schools but um I'm from there I have quite a few I have, at, right now I currently have about 50 students um from all over whether they're in this school or that school or totally other schools but I get a lot of word of mouth by now mm-hmm. so and then I started almost four years ago. December 1st will be four years. So, mm-hmm. uh, and I actually left my corporate America job less than a year ago. So I kind of just really expanded now. But right now I'm getting it all just by word of mouth and referrals uh, for the academy. That's nice. So, so how do you support it financially? This Are the school, you say you contracted out. Did, are the schools mm-hmm. paying you for those services? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Because I know, you know, mental health is a big conversation right now. Oh um, yeah. So I did. I wasn't sure. You know, like if insurance is paying for some of these kind of sessions, or if you have uh, to have certain certifications or yeah, that's like a big discussion right now. They're trying to get equine therapy covered as mental health, but the only way you can do that right now is if you have a licensed therapist or like a licensed physical therapist, Right, they would have to do the billing. So oh, right. 
Like, I, that's the only way a program can work. And I know PATH is, like, working on that right now with mm-hmm. in the industry to become, you know, for us to push, like, hey, equine therapy should be covered by insurance. Mm-hmm. But right now it's just billed if you're an LMFT or something like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think EGALA has the yeah. model with the therapist and the equine person. Yeah, they they're together. both in the program. Have you heard of... Was it Egala E A G? Yeah, Egala Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. I've heard Egala. So I I almost went with them, but I couldn't find um, someone close to me. Yeah. Um, in the location, so I I ended up going with Path. Oh, okay, okay. So there's multiple training programs mm-hmm. out there. Oh yeah, there yeah there's there's quite a few of them out there. So you just got to find which ones in your area, but most of them are national. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. Earlier, um, when you were introducing yourself, you had mentioned uh, rehabbing racehorses. Could you explain mm-hmm. what that means? To so we might know? have a horse come in um, off the track. They may just be a little sore, you know, general leg injuries. If they have one that might have like a suspensory issue, maybe a bow tendon. You know, just little little things on their legs. We'll just kind of treat it, you know, let them rest up, build them back up, you know, and then send them back to the track. So each each horse might have a little something different. They might be body sore, you mm-hmm. know, mentally they might just need a break. Mm-hmm. So they'll send them to us, and then when we say, okay, you know, they're ready to go back, then they come pick them up, and then they go back to the racetrack. Okay, so your, your rehabbing sends them back to the track as opposed to – or, or are there situations where you kind of, they get retired and are, you know, on light work? So, um, for the most part, they do go back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if we decide to pull one off or if one's off and, you know, obviously we don't send them back to they get their vet check and the vet is clear on them. Right. But we have had some, uh, we like recently we had one earlier this year, he we were like, okay, let's pull them off. They they pulled them off the track, another organization, but we had rehabbed him twice already. Mm-hmm. And so we were, I was, now the situation was, we, he was planning on staying with us. I was going to turn him into a lesson horse because his owner uh, was a beginner rider and he was a great horse, but he, his injury just wouldn't quite heal all the way. Mm-hmm. And so we decided, you know, he needs to be retired, even though he's only, uh, 11 years old which is still pretty young for a horse you know we decided to retire him and that you know just keep him happy nobody can work on a horse that you know ends up keeps getting sore every couple months mm-hmm. right so um for for the most part would they they always make it back but if they're if we're pulling them off you know for good we get the vet involved and we just make sure that's the final decision and that they have a home to go to and everything Wow, because most of the times when I hear somebody say that they're um, going to rehab a racehorse, the racehorse isn't returning. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. They're... It just depends, you know. But rehab could be—you could be rehabbing them mentally. You know, mm-hmm. we've come some to us that were just kind of like, "Whoa," you know, like, "Okay, I'm just kind of just tired." So it's like, you know, we let them be a horse again. Mm-hmm. We don't ask them to work. You might just be hand walked for a week or two weeks you know, mm-hmm. groomed, hand-walked, grazed, give them a chance to be a horse, and then, you know, sometimes they'll pop back to life, like, okay, I'm ready to go back to work. Mm-hmm. And when they show us, or when they tell, when the horses tell us, yes, we're ready to go back to work, 
And it's like, okay, then we'll start working them slowly, building them up, getting them mentally prepared, back in shape physically, and then we send them back. But we don't do it until the horse tells us that they're ready. Mm -hmm. Right, right. That's cool. I mean, I feel like 11 is old for the racetrack. You know, he, he, the second time we rehabbed him, he uh, went, went out and won five in a row. Wow. So, geez. At, yeah, he was doing so good. But at, after 11 or 12, then you have to get permission to run them. But he was just going oh. strong. And we were like, okay. So he kept going, but then he came back to us. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's one where we said, yeah, I think he's just ready to retire. Mm-hmm. But he had a very long, very good racing career. Yeah. Now he's in Kentucky. Uh with a whole bunch of other race horses in a big green grass field. Wow. <laughs> Being spoiled just how the retired race horses are. <laughs> oh, that's good because we can yeah. we hear lots of different outcomes for retired race horses depending yeah. on what tracks they're coming from and yeah. what kind of racing they're doing. So it's nice that you can kind of have a hand in making sure that they don't succumb to the same fate. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I mean if I can have so many of them. I would, but thankfully, you know, we do work with a couple people and um, some organizations that'll say, hey, you know, can you take this racehorse in, train them, and then, you know, adopt them out? Like, we have one that um, is about to get adopted out, and next week, I think she goes to her new home, but we've had her since July, I believe, mm-hmm. and she's one that I turned into a racehorse. She got bounced around oh, uh, quite a bit. And she she came around though very nicely. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. So, um, what advice would you give someone who wants to pursue the same kind of thing that you're doing, like therapy work? I would say, like, um, with horses. Mm-hmm. I would say, you know, have experience in both. Honestly, I mean. It's, I love, if someone wants to do it, I would love for them to, and I would encourage it, but to do it, please take like horsemanship lessons on just reading horses, because in order for it to work, you do have to make sure that you pair the, you know, your student or your client Mm -hmm. with the correct horse. So, you know, become educated and hands-on with your student and how, or how to work with that need that they have, whether it be a mental health need or a special, you know, a special need mm-hmm. and learn how to work with horses as well. Cause I have seen individuals that are really good in the mental health field, but they have no clue about horses. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, you know, we need to get well-rounded in both so that way you can understand both. Mm-hmm. Cause some people might not understand that horses will react to people. You know, some right. horses have people problems. Right. Right. And, that could be the issue. It's like, hey, your horse doesn't like that or this horse doesn't like it when you do that, mm-hmm. you know, and that is a big component of the therapy is being able to read your horse and your client at the same time. So I would just say, you know, become educated with horses alone from like as a separate thing mm-hmm. and then become educated in mental health and then kind of just start comparing the two. That's awesome. That is so, I mean, you know, a lot of education, but really, really, really pay attention mm-hmm. to actions and reactions. Right. And then try to blend them together. Right. Right. That's awesome. Knowing um, now, well, now that you know that there are more black equestrians 
what would you tell your younger self if you could tell your younger self something I would say you're not the only one mm -hmm. you know that's like when I saw your podcast I was like oh my gosh mm -hmm. like like it's really like this is really happening mm -hmm. <laughs> you know and it's kind of like don't be afraid out there you know like don't be afraid to be different you mm -hmm. look different yes but you can still be good and right. don't be, you know, discouraged just because you're the only one out here that looks like you. Mm -hmm. Right. You know what I mean? I'm out there with braids and a helmet. People are like, oh, is your hair real? And I'm like, yeah, you know, like. Grew it last <laughs> night, girl. I grew you know, it last night. I would just say it's okay. You're out there. You're still good enough. Right. You know, you're, you're, you're fine. And, you know, here I am, 29 years old. And I'm like, oh, just finding out that I'm really not alone. Right. And that. Uh, there's other people out there that look exactly like me that have the same love and knowledge for passion and horse for horses that I do. Mm -hmm. I love and that. so it's like, Oh, it's a whole nother community out there, which is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's so different as we are the, co the hosts of this podcast, but we didn't have, that same experience mm -hmm. like we grew up around hundreds of black people riding horses really? That's so cool. yeah and so it started off like like let's get our story out there mm -hmm. and so uh -huh. once we started i'm like okay well let's talk to the other black people that's got horses and then when we started looking we were like well wait where they at? wait <laughs> <laughs> like kind of outside of our little circle like well uh -huh. where they at <laughs> Right. So it was it was kind of a something for us an adjustment like oh, okay so all of these other people have no clue that we yeah, that we, we exist, exist. Yeah. <laughs> right. that we right. and all of our family and friends exist so right. it's just interesting kind of having that that comparison of of experiences yeah, and I think it's literally, I think it's just where I grew up, so it's nobody's fault of their own, you know, I'm not blaming anybody, but right. I just grew up being the only black girl, mm -hmm. and you know, I, I was riding every day, so it's like, okay, I can ride, I can hang with you guys, mm -hmm. but I just kind of accepted it, like, oh, this is what it is, and so for me being just there, I thought that's how it was everywhere, you know, I'm watching TV, mm -hmm. watching the Olympics, you see the same people, McLean Ward, Beezy Matta, Jessica Springsteen, you know, and I'm like, oh, okay, look at all these people, mm -hmm. and then I'm like, oh, Mexico has a show jumping team? Right, so I'm right. like, oh, wow, look at Brazil out there, <laughs> right, and I'm like, oh, the, all these other countries have equestrian teams, too, yeah, and, you know, so I'm watching it, now. I mean, like, I'll see... I'll watch the races and I'm like, oh, there's black grooms out there, you know, oh, there's black jockeys too, mm -hmm. you know, and I get excited, get excited when I see a black jockey on TV because it's another black person riding a horse. Yeah. So, and then I'm like, oh, okay. And then when I found you guys, I was like, oh, wow, <laughs> it's, really, it's really out there. I'm not the only one. I can go there and blend in. Yeah. 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 Um, so I read an article earlier um, this week. Oh, it's right here. <laughs> that wasn't on purpose. But um, it was page 50. Hold on. It was talking about um, diversity. I, I work at an animal hospital, so we get these random articles. Mm -hmm. I mean, random, like, publications. Veterinary, blah, blah, blah. Um, but it was talking about diversity and veterinary medicine. And I feel like diversity and inclusion, period, can be plastered on any kind of 
area mm-hmm. in world. It can be in academia. It can be in, in whatever your profession is. It can be in anything. Education. So, but I was reading it and it was talking about discussing diversity in the professional realm. So it just had some some um, recommendations. The first one was be willing to face your fears and be uncomfortable. Mm. The second one was establish ground rules. Like when you're having a conversation, like everybody will be respectful, mm-hmm. yada, yada, yada. And then one of them really interested me and I just wanted to get your opinion because I've been asked by a non-black person, you know, hey, what can we do to make it more inclusive? Yeah. <laughs> and I I have I, I want to be helpful. Like I want to have an answer. I'm like, oh you could do this, you could do this. But I also am like, is it the black person's responsibility to figure out mm. how you should be helpful. So this this article says, do not expect people with marginalized identities to lead the discussions. Mm-hmm. So okay. I just wanted to, we don't normally do this, but I just found this article um, this week. So I just wanted to talk, talk about that for a second. What do you guys think? Like, is it up to us to lead these discussions or to tell non-black people how we could be more included? <laughs> I think my opinion, like, because I'm, when I'm black and, like, when I was getting into the um, corporate America world, I was, I started at 21 years old. So here I'm this 21-year-old black girl trying to make it. I kind of just bulldozed my way in. I'm like, I'm sitting at this table. You yeah. know, you're going to look at me and you're going to hear what I have to say and I'm going to be in even if you don't look at me like you're equal, I am your equal. Mm-hmm. Not in, you know, kind of like a negative confident type of way, but I kind of just acted like I belong there. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I put my head, my head in the books just like you. Mm-hmm. So, and I have worked at places. I've been a supervisor for group homes and stuff. And it's like, I understand what you're saying. And once I kind of like showed, no, I know how to hold a conversation with you about this topic. And, you know, then kind of looking like, oh, you kind of do know what you're talking about. Right. And so it's kind of like, okay, we can sit here, we could talk, you know. And so I I don't think it's, you know, anyone's responsibility. Right. You know, but if you want to stand up, you know, go stand up, go there and be present. Yeah, yeah. Like make make yourself known. And if you want to make a change, then go sit at the people, go sit at the table with the people who are making changes and hold and talk the same language as them. Right. You know, have that confidence and be confident in yourself that I do belong here if you truly believe that. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. What do you think? Um, I was messaged on social media by um, uh, by a woman who has her own business and she, she makes like horse tech. And she was just asking me, you know, like, like how you said, what can I do to... Like she, appeal to... yeah. And how can I, you know, like enter into a more diverse, um, I guess, customer base? And then I really just told her, like, well, um, this is what I've been doing since I was three years old. And they're not just going to come and find you. Like, if you want to come and find them and get to know them, then go find them and get to know them. Yeah. Um, You know, like, because just me saying, oh, do this, this, and this, that's not going to work. They don't know you. Yeah. (laughs) You know? And 
I mean, even that, that was like maybe, I think that was at the beginning of this year or maybe it was last year. Um, but even from the time that she asked that to now, people are so focused on like supporting black businesses. I honestly wouldn't know what to tell her, <laughs> you yeah. know? I mean, right. like, you can try. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have one of the halters that she made. It's cool. But if somebody finds that, one, they can make it themselves, or, two, that they know somebody black that's going to make it, that you're going to go to the person that's black. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, yeah. she she said, like, that disclaimer, like, please don't be offended by me asking this. Mm-hmm. You know, not knowing how to word it. I'm just like, go hang around some black people. You know, like, right. we are not, right. we're not scary. Um, yeah. If you want to appeal to black people in whatever space or just a diverse population, whether it's whatever space, get to know people, mm-hmm. talk to them, make relationships, network. Yeah, You know, don't just look at it as how can you make more money from a certain population of people. Right, (laughs) right, right. I totally agree with that. Like, relationship and people remember how you make them feel. Mm -hmm. You know, and if you're transparent about your cause Mm -hmm. and you don't make it money focused and say, no, I'm really trying to help. This is what I do. Then, you know, people tend to come to you more. You just got to have a pure heart in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like I feel like people are making this like like it's rocket science uh-huh. when it's really not. Like, just treat us like humans, right? Like <laughs> all we asked for was equality. Right. Like I mean, right? It, it, do you want to know how to approach black people? Approach them like you would do anyone else you are wanting to get interest from. Right? Like mm-hmm. do your was it like market research? Like uh-huh. what is it that your audience wants? What audience are you going for? What do they want? <laughs> produce something like that Mm -hmm. that is not that is not racially specific like you know why why even act like it's that's a black people thing because it's really not so Mm -hmm. yeah I, I agree I agree with both of what you guys said I mean for us as black women especially getting a seat at the table and not being afraid being confident in what we have to offer Um, And then as the non-black person who is interested in accessing or selling to or, you know, say they have a therapeutic writing program and trying to get inner city kids, Mm -hmm. like, what is it that these kids are attracted to? You know, Mm -hmm. they're not, they're not going to always, you know they might have experiences in their own life that tells them that you are not somebody to be trusted. Mm -hmm. So you just have to kind of figure out what it is that you're the audience you're going after, what they want and what they need, need what what they need. Because even when I, you know, like open up the farm, when I first started opening up the farm for South Marie and it was no black children coming at all. I'm like, okay, well, where where the black people at? Right, this where is a black farm. Right, <laughs> like, why y'all not bring y'all children here? This is free. <laughs> but I found out it's transportation. Like, transportation mm-hmm. is an issue. It's still an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and then people working, you know, they working nine to five, nine to six, nine to eight. Um, right. That was another issue. And if it was on the weekend, everything. It, where we are, everything is pretty much shoved on the weekends, and mm-hmm. they are working all throughout the week. 
Mm-hmm. And people have multiple kids, you know. Yeah. And, but yeah, but transportation was the main issue. So if you feel like you have a lack of a certain um, population, just like you said, figure out what they need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you guys had an opinion about that because I read that and I was like, mm-hmm, yeah, don't expect expect yeah. us to be leading this discussion. You figure it out on your own. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so anyway, are, do you have any other gems you would like to share to the young black equestrians of this world that will be listening to this podcast because they will find us yes. somehow? Um, I, I would just say, keep going keep following your dreams it, the equestrian world is a beautiful world because you it's you always learn something new every day mm-hmm. each horse teaches you something new um you know as a trainer i always tell my students get as much as you can from each horse and put it in your toolbox because when you get on the next horse you might have something in your toolbox yes, you to help that out. horse yeah <laughs> you know yeah. I, I always say learn as much as you can <laughs> Ask questions as much as you can. Yes. Uh, because even if you can't History. apply it right then and there, you might be able to p- apply it somewhere else. So yes. just keep going, follow your dreams, and don't let anybody tell you no. If you want to do it, you go out and do it. If people don't believe in you, um, you know, just you do what you want to do and mm-hmm. you do what keep, makes your heart happy by any means necessary. Oh, that is definitely sound advice. Thank you so much, Brittany, for talking to us tonight. Oh, you're so welcome. Super dude for appreciating. Yes, yes. So there you have it. Our episode with Brittany Chambers. Isn't she just such an inspiration? You need to head over to Facebook and find CBC Therapeutic Horseback Riding Academy. Like her page, look at all the amazing work that she is doing in her community as her career and as a black equestrian. Be sure to hop over to our Facebook page while you are at it and leave us a comment and let us know what you thought about her episode and maybe even share something you want to hear in the future or someone you want to hear from because we are always looking for amazing people in the equestrian field to talk to and discuss life with so head over to facebook or instagram drop a comment let us know what you thought about this episode like rate review us on spotify apple podcasts google podcasts the whole shebang all right y'all see you next time